and welcome to Books, the podcast, the only podcast about books. I'm Tim. I'm Tom. And we're booksmen. Weird booksmen? We are booksmen. Yeah, we are. You always think I say weird booksmen. Weird booksmen. Weird, wild stuff. Weird, Tim, I went to a bookstore the other night. Really? Before going to a motion picture. McNally Jackson. Yeah. It's a cool bookstore. I know. Yeah, I like it. Didn't buy anything. But I read, I was like, you can't stop me. They got a big, did you go upstairs? Yeah, uh, not this time, but I've been upstairs. They got a nice, comfortable I'm not chair. allowed anymore. <laughs> Children's sections up there. Why well, I had asked, I was like, is upstairs stuff where all the adult uh, books are? What did you mean by adult books? Pornographic. Yeah, no, that, I mean, it's it's most of the stuff is upstairs. Most of the pornographic stuff? Because I couldn't find anything. No, they got a big chair up there, Tom. Oh, okay. That, like, you could sit and read a book. And also, I've discussed this with a friend of the show, uh, Christine. Mm -hmm. It's the perfect chair. Like, I want that chair for my home. Oh, shit. Is this the start of some kind of elaborate heist to steal a chair from a bookstore? It's the perfect size, too. It's Mm -hmm. not, it's like, it's a. you know, not like, too big and not too small. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know the perfect I, I, I Goldilocks it, uh, <laughs> and I came out of there thinking, look, uh, it's it's uh, it's comfy. It's it, leather. Well, it's brown. I was going to ask if it was a brown leather chair and yeah. if it was comfortable. Yeah. Um, and not too big, not too small. Tom, what what more could you ask for? A dang chair. Uh, I could ask for this in a in a leather chair. Do you think you'll be able to uh, successfully mask a fart in it? Or is... no, you know what. I'm not masking farts anymore. Whoa. Yeah. Tim, your son's going to grow up to be a real- Thanks thanks to my son. Oh, he's broken the ice. Yeah. When he farts, it's hilarious. So now when I I fart, it's hilarious too. I've I've just decreed that. (laughs) Uh, My niece, uh, recently, my niece is like uh, almost four now. And I was holding her and, uh, you know, uh, my hand was holding her up like, uh, you know, uh, the, the way you hold a child. Right. Because she is a child. Yeah, and my my hand was on her bottom and she mm. farted in my hand. That's and I was totally. like, did you just fart my hand? And she laughed and then like really let it rip. Yeah. <laughs> It's and good. It, it's a good thing. I mean, bit. it was very. I I threw her, but <laughs> <laughs> threw up. But uh, but yeah, it is a pretty good bet. Um, what were we talking about? Uh, bookstores and being oh, yeah. booksmen. Yeah, um, I like that bookstore. Um, mm-hmm. Tom, I like going to bookstores. I buy too many books. Yeah. Um, I almost bought this book. Uh, by who's the director of like Cheers and Taxi, uh, James Burroughs? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know him from the credits. <laughs> yeah, he wrote a book, and like, you know, like there's like I think eight chapters, and two of them are about Cheers, and it's uh-huh. like this is probably the most behind the scenes information about Cheers. Yeah, it's that probably I can interesting stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, from somebody that wasn't an actor on it for sure. Yeah. And oh. like, what uh, do I want to read? Like Kelsey Grammer's account of it. Like, right, no. it's gonna be st- Jimmy Burroughs is gonna give me the straight dope. Yeah, he's gonna have the bird's eye view. The uh, he's not gonna have a, a chicken in the race. Yeah, but I couldn't bring myself to pay twenty eight dollars for a hardcover. Why didn't you just take it over to that big comfy chair you've been telling me about? Tom, and just this, read uh, the this two was, chapters. This wasn't at McNally Jackson. Oh, well, what's your favorite book? McNally Jackson. Uh, Location. I think I've only been to the one uh, that's in uh, the mall where Alamo Draft House is. Downtown. Yeah, downtown Brooklyn. 
Uh, there's one in Williamsburg, Tom. Oh, okay. There's one. Oh, in, maybe I've been to that one. Uh, Soho. Okay. What is this a commercial? Yeah, I, I'm are you tra- getting a kickback? You, you think they're gonna give you one of those shares if you give them enough business? Maybe they'll give me a book. Maybe they'll send me that James Burroughs book. <laughs> <laughs> you can just go and read those two chapters. That sounds like the perfect situation. If wanna... they've got it at one store, they've probably got it the other one. They got it at all the stores, Tom. It's a popular book. It's a new release. All right, then bring it to that chair, sit your ass down, read it. Yeah. You probably just get it from the library. Yeah, you could probably just go to the store Who and Who wants that book, right? T- take pictures of all the pages with your phone. Yeah. And Do then... you ever feel bad when you're in a bookstore and you take out your phone and you think that uh, the... Uh, the staff there is going to think that you're like comparing prices to Amazon. I, I do because I frequently, when I'm at a bookstore, will take a picture of a book. Yeah. Because I, I like you said, like you buy too many books. I, I do that too. And I've, I've, I've gotten a lot, lot better. And what I'll do instead of buying a book is take a picture of the book so that I remember it. Right. Because I always think like, oh, I should, this looks interesting. And then it's like, no, I know the next like three things I'm reading. Right. Uh, this isn't going to jump a spot. So let me not buy it. But yeah, I, I always think that I'm always like, they're going to think that I'm looking it up on Amazon right now. Really, what I'm doing is taking a picture so I can look it on up on Amazon when I get home. <laughs> do you look it up on Amazon or do you look it up at on uh indie the... book indiebound.org? No, no, I, I I tend to look it up on my if it's not a priority like if oh, it's, you look if it it's up a for hard the library. Cover, yeah, exactly. Mm, yeah. And like bookstores don't hate the library. Yeah. They, they like should. the library. The library builds buzz for books. Yeah. Um yeah, I've done that because yeah, especially if it's like a new release and you're gonna be like number thirty eight on oh. the hold list anyway, but you're like, Oh, it's fine. Yeah, if it's I, like the James Burroughs auto autobiography and it's like I can wait a few yeah. weeks to read this uh a couple chapters on cheers. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do that. Sometimes I'll buy uh, other things at the bookstore that they probably have uh, healthier margins on anyway. Like a notebook or something? Yeah, like a notebook or yeah. a pen. Maybe a, I was going to say a scarf, but I've never bought a scarf yeah, at a so bookstore. scarves at bookstores? They do nowadays, Tim. You can you could outfit your uh, entire family at a bookstore. <laughs> In scarves. In scarves. And Silk then, scarves. And then, you know, whatever garment of clothing uh, they don't have, you could probably make out a paper from a book you bought. Am I mistaken, Tom? Mm-hmm. I don't think I am. There was a time where there was like probably 15, 16 years ago mm-hmm. where part of the Amazon app yeah. was like you scan a barcode of a book in a bookstore. Yeah, I think it worked for anything, not just right. uh, books. Which I could see why bookstores <laughs> would be like, Put your fucking phone away yeah, when you're in yeah. here. If that thing was, if that thing was uh, hanging around, yeah, I think that they've like deprioritized. Uh, it might still be buried in the app yeah. somewhere, but I think it used to be like one of the main buttons on yeah. there. And I think they, they, somebody, somebody at Amazon crunched the numbers and they were like, "Eh, we're losing, 
we don't get that much business from people losing this, and it's a real Some bad of us are look. Get murdered by small business owners. <laughs> yeah, like let's let's be a little more discreet yeah. about uh, casually taking mm-hmm. every business. Speaking of Amazon, Tom, uh-huh. it was recently Prime Day. Yes, and I knew this because. I saw a commercial for... Because they go all out promoting it, and I feel like the news does half their job for This them. is the thing. I saw a commercial for the news, which is not really the news, <laughs> but it was like the Today Show. Yeah. And it was like, oh, to, we've got you covered on Prime Day. And like, mm. it was like a 30-second commercial that was just like, as if Prime Day was just like a force of nature. Yeah. Like, as uh-huh. if it was just like... um. You know, them covering a parade or something. <laughs> right. And it's just like, all the greatest deals. We'll evaluate everything. We'll tell you what's on sale so you can get the most out of Prime Day. So the news and like <laughs> broadcast networks, and this is NBC, the FCC like mandates a certain amount of news content to yeah. benefit the community. And this is part of it where it's just like, we're driving you toward this, this one retailer, this one evil retailer and telling you that, like, about we their don't sales. even have any skin in the game exactly like i understand when uh when abc news is like we're here live at the opening of the newest ride at disney world yeah, exactly. to yeah. tell you all about how great it is because and in those cases they do you know do the bare minimum of like also, we have to tell you that uh, ABC is a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Corporation. Yeah. And then, you know, but most people know that anyway. But yeah, with Amazon, it's like, you guys don't even have affiliate links. What are yeah. you doing here? No, it's just, uh, I mean, I guess it. they would argue like it's a certain, like the, yeah. they probably get like oh, yeah. the people biggest are ratings. Asking. Yeah. yeah, people are asking. My, uh, yeah, my mom texted me uh, on, it's now Prime Day is Kind of two days, but also a week. Maybe. Who yeah, knows? yeah. They, they've stretched it out. And my mom texted me and was like, let me know if you see any good Prime Day deals. And I texted her back like, oh, are you like looking for something? And she texted me back something like, no, just a good deal. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, you're you're the prime target. No yeah. pun intended of this of just like. We, we don't want people who are waiting to buy something for when there's a sale. We want people who are just like, I'm looking to buy something. Yeah, show me a good deal. It will show them a deal, and it'll be something they never thought about buying before, but it's a good deal, so they'll grab it and never I actually use it. didn't know that it's usually 25% off, and we're going to sell it to them at <laughs> yeah. 30% off. Yeah, because that's the other thing with, with all these. Um, first off, it's crazy that no other retailer has ever like tried this before that like Sears wasn't like it's Sears day. Yeah. Everybody come to our store <laughs> and see all the sales. We have. Should, I think employers should give you the day off from work. Yeah. And then, like lobby. <laughs> and especially in the middle of uh, the summer when it's like, Oh, this is our downtime. This yeah. is when we, we don't have other holidays really. To, we can market around July 4th, but we can only sell so much charcoal. <laughs> uh here you here you go uh so brilliant on amazon's part to uh, uh figure that out and then also realize how many dumb uh holidays quote unquote there are nowadays you know all yeah. these like oh it's it's 
uh, not Flag Day, but it's Upside Down Flag Day or whatever. <laughs> upside Down Flag Day, Tom. Disrespectful, but, yeah, depending on is. the flag. It is. But uh, but yeah, so I was like, uh, I don't. Uh, I bought Tim. I did you buy something on? Let me Friday? give full disclosure. I did buy a pack of. Uh, 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 let me let me uh, make sure I've got the br- the brand right. Glad uh, recycling bags, a sixty count. Uh, I did purchase that on Prime Day. Wow. I think actually I put it in my cart when it was on sale and then didn't buy it till the next day when it wasn't on sale, but I needed uh, more recycling bags because I've just been recycling so much. You got to so, recycle. Huh? So sue yeah, me I for mean, being so green. Okay. You're green. You're green behind the ears, Tom. What the hell is that supposed to mean? Um, I'm looking at my, how do I get to my order history are you just gonna brag about oh i haven't ordered from amazon since yeah i'm actually i'm such a good man i am a great man um i'm trying to it's the last great radio yeah (laughs) you you opening a beer and me well unfortunately tim you, you you weren't saying anything so i had to fill the dead space somehow Tom, the last thing I ordered mm-hmm. was in 2019. Wow. What a... A checkered chef baking sheet and rack set. <laughs> and that's what turned you off Amazon for good? Yeah. Where'd uh, you buy uh, masks from, if not uh, counterfeit masks from Um, One of those Amazon. sites that... Uh, that what? I'm trying to think. Um, it was it was like one of those like mask selling sites. <laughs> I don't know. It was uh, it was one of those like uh, I don't know what it was called. But I it, was like, shocked. Sold a lot of masks. Like uh, like you know the. Uh, and it I, took like forty five days for them to come. Like <laughs> buying things online not from Amazon does suck shit. Yeah. Which is why I like buy most of my stuff like in the real world. Yeah, like, physical stores. Um. I was kind of shocked, like, because, uh, you know, obviously, like, early in the pandemic, they, you know, anyone could just be like, yeah, these are good masks. Yeah. And sell them. And, uh, you know, the numbers are starting to go up a little bit in New York again. So I was like, oh, I should get, like, more good masks for, like, you know, when I'm inside and uh, uh, want to protect myself. And I thought, like, surely by now they've weeded out, <laughs> like, you know, non-legit masks. Right. Like, surely by now I can just search, like, N95 masks, because that's the other thing about masks nowadays. If you're not going to wear, like, an N95, then it's useless. Right. Then, then you know what? Then don't even bother wearing a mask. Um, it would, I could get into all the... Tom, I bought them from wellbefore.com. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a big website that everybody uses. Um, (laughs) What? what? I've never heard of that website before in my life. What websites have you heard of? Amazon.com. Let's go to Amazon. We've heard of Google. Google Google.com. Hotmail.com. But anyway, uh, yeah, I couldn't find. I thought just like, oh. You're always at jugs.com with two Gs. (laughs) I thought for sure by now they probably have like a special stamp like oh these are verified yeah. legit mass nah it's still it's still the wild wild west and again 
It's like if I'm not going to wear something that's legit, then I I have little faith that it's actually going to do anything. Yeah. Anyway, Tim, let's talk about books. For we God's were sake. talking about books. Remember well, the let's James go back Burrows to book? talking. Hey, let's go back to the good old days when we used to talk about books. Yeah. Um, I've started reading this book, How to Win Friends and Influence People yeah. by Dale Carnegie. And when you told me this was the book you wanted to read, uh-huh. I was going to go, you dumb asshole. I read that book for Books the Podcast already. No, I read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which is the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. Well, it's it's like it's like who wrote that book? Some fucking guy. Yeah, and now different his kids, man. Like, uh, yeah, no, it's different. But I think this is all just like, hey, uh, it's like an older book where it's like, do you want to, to be a model citizen? <laughs> uh, well, I here's think, how to do it. I think both these books, what they have in common is that they are they are like. If not two of the first, certainly two of the like archetypes of self help, the self help right. genre. Exactly. I'm a sucker for self help self help books. Like sometimes I'll read a description of a new self help book. I was just like, this is the thing that will turn my life around. I think I think this is it. Yeah, I mean that is the exciting thing about like uh, looking at self help books, uh, especially in a bookstore. Sometimes you find a book and you're like. Oh shit, this is what I think is wrong with my life. <laughs> yeah. And maybe just spending like $15 on this book will fix everything. And then whenever you read it, mm-hmm. it's always like, yeah, this is obvious. Of course. Yeah. We've, we've, yeah, I know I have to do this, but I'm not gonna. That's my <laughs> problem. It's like, I know what I need to do. Yeah. But it's annoying. And hard to do consistently. So yeah. I don't do it. Cause you do hear about people that, you know, or like I read this book and it turned my life around. But in every case, they're never like, "Yeah, I read this book. I like half heartedly did some of the things it suggested. <laughs> I didn't do the things that I didn't personally think would help all that much." And sure enough, it turned my entire life around. Yeah. It's always people that are like, "Nope, I embrace this book. I made this book my new ethos for life." Yeah, and that's what changed everything. Which. I think it would be a little upsetting, mm-hmm. like if I quote turned my life around, and uh, I was some guy <laughs> and that you left like, your family. Yeah, that kept like uh, telling you about this book that changed my life, and how you got to read this book and follow this book, and the man who wrote this book is a great man, and we should all revere him. You know, well, like that I guy. Think there's stuff. a there's a difference. No, that's the only way these books work. Yeah, is if you it's, make it's them your when, entire life and personality. No, but I'm saying like it's also uh, uh, people who become evangelical about it to yeah. other people. Oh yeah, but that's part of it. Yeah, yeah, because you have to tell yeah, everybody exactly. I, I, I bought the like, new book about the grapefruit diet, and I've never felt better. Exactly. Tom, I'm talking all about smoothies because I've changed my life. The yeah, because you, you dropped like 100 bucks on a on a, a decent blender. So yeah, now Somebody it's like, else dropped $400. $400 on, <laughs> on this blender? Uh, no, three. dollars Tim, are you I running think. a bar out of your uh Tom, it's not kitchen? just a it's a Vitamix. It's a it's it's more it than it infuses a, everything I put in with it was vitamins. A great prime day deal. <laughs> um I had something to say. Oh, hashtag suit squad. Okay. Oh, that was it? You don't have a follow-up? You just wanted to say hashtag suit squad? Yeah, I think uh, we talked about how the butt flap is good now, right? 
We talked. Oh, we about didn't that. talk about. It. I said I think you were being crazy. That like it's fine. You were like I think I'm gonna destroy this suit. No, I was just gonna I get f- it redone. But people are telling. You know, did we really not talk about this on the show? I don't think so. But I saw that pe- a lot of people commented like, no, 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 that flaps good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's like the, the, the normal, actually, this was supposed to be the comment of the week last week. Hold on. <laughs> okay. So I'm going back, uh, we're, we're holding for the comment of the week. This is, a, this this week. is somebody wrote in and said that, uh, on the man versus B episode, they were upset that we skipped the comment of the week. Oh, so, did they? Tom, I didn't this is a very, that. is that this week's comment? Of this, the week? <laughs> about, that was an email. So that's the email of the week. <laughs> okay. Um, but I swear uh, we talked about this. Maybe I just prepped it. Yeah, because last week was Stream Dreams, and, and I didn't do well, it. Well, Tim, since since uh, last week's episode, I think they've been running more uh, hard-on collider uh, tests, so who knows? We might be in a different universe than we used to be. Comment of the week comes from Rodney. Okay. He says, two vents on the suit is the way to go, in my opinion. And then uh, sent a link to blacklapel.com, mm-hmm. the three types of suit vents to choose. It was a very helpful article, Tom. The one vent uh-huh. um, is uh, really meant... For peasants. No, no. Um, is more appropriate for a more casual blazer, not in a, um, in yeah, a suit situation. Okay. Mm-hmm. The double suit vent, the uh-huh. butt flap, as it were... Yeah is a more sophisticated and stylish option and is our preferred look for most gents here at Black Lapel. And yeah. you're not you're not going to trust the folks at Black Lapel. Well, you, you didn't trust? trust the folks at Indochino. No. <laughs> uh, now, what's the third option? Three vents? Ventless. Whoa. Guess what? I bet you need balls to pull that off. Guess what? What? Tuxedos only. Oh, yeah, tuxedos only. <laughs> Classic Paul McKenna, <laughs> tuxedos only. Tim, uh, we're, 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 let's get back to the book here. Tim, can we please get back to the book here? Um, all right, so we established is not the book you already read. This book was published, I think, 1936 is the initial publication date. Yeah, this is... Uh... It's an oldie, almost 100 years old at this point. Wow. Well, which is which is kind of crazy. Ninety, yeah. oh, it's eighty-five years. Yeah, old. See, which is almost hundred in my book. Mm. Tim, you make it to eighty-five. I'm gonna say, hey, look at that guy. He's almost hundred years old. Really? Yeah. I wouldn't say that. I mean, I would say, but look at me, a little closer. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I was a ghost, in which case I'll still say it. Uh, um. Yeah, so uh, the beginning, like, you know, it's got, like, just kind of like a... This is one of those weird books, though, where I thought initially I was reading, like, the original version. Because when you look it up, I'm reading an ebook version of it. Electronic book. Uh, and when you look it up, it's like, oh, they've since up... You, know, you don't want to up... ever have to mail this copy to a loyal listener. <laughs> Did you do that? Did I? Yeah. Did I do what? <laughs> Anyway, um, so you thought you were reading the original? Yeah, because they've got newer versions. They're like, you know, how to make how to win friends on computers, <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> like those types of things. Did his? Does he have kids that like took over the business, or is there a business or like win friends? I, I believe there's still now a or business. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's a family company or not. 
But uh, but I thought for sure I was reading uh, the original version. And then at one point there's a story and it's like one of those uh, like, oh, well, here's a story about a young man who did X, Y, Z. And guess what? That man is Stevie Wonder. And I was like, well, obviously. <laughs> wow. They knew the future. Dale Carnegie. <laughs> yeah. But he mentioned like, but it was like. Do they mention how Charles Manson uh, used, <laughs> and that but, man got people to kill people Chuck for Manson. him? Chuck uh, Manson. No, but even with uh, Stevie Wonder, it was like, Stevie Wonder, one of the 1970s most premier songwriters. Mm. So I was like, oh, I still don't think this isn't actually <laughs> yeah. super up to date. Uh, he, but he, so he talks about like how he wrote the book and how he traveled doing speeches and everything. And like, uh, it is old timey enough that like, he kind of gives the example of like, like he's given specific examples. And one of them is basically like, look at this. It even worked for an Irish man. They <laughs> <laughs> got that in the book. Yeah, in the, in the new edition. Yeah. It says, uh, the first speaker bore the Gaelic name, Patrick J. O'Hare. Born in Ireland. He attended school for only four years, drifted to America, probably like scrimped and saved a claw to get <laughs> to America. Drifted. He, uh, he passed out drunk on a boat and woke up in America, <laughs> apparently. And, and didn't even realize it was America for a month. Uh, worked as a mechanic and then a chauffeur. And I guess he like told his wife, like, I'm going to I'm going to go to this course. His despairing wife insisted that he go, saying it may do you some good, Pat. God knows you need it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's like, oh, I'll take my wife, please. Uh, and then he talks about like a Wall Street guy. So it's like everyone from an Irishman to a Wall Street <laughs> broker could learn something from this book. Um, although he, uh, I also have highlighted here, he's talking about uh, like an actor that took the course. I thought it was very interesting. Uh, he compares him. He's like, he would never be a Barrymore. And of course, we know like Drew Barrymore is the... Uh, yeah, the most recent Barrymore. What is there, John Barrymore? Yeah, but then I think also like her grandfather was like a famous actor. Uh, Henry Barrymore. But the other shocking uh, example he gives of like a famous acting family, the Booths. <laughs> well, surely this was written <laughs> after after one of them ten. assassinated the sitting president of the United States. <laughs> exactly, where it's like, you know, I don't think that that acting family holds quite the uh, esteem. Yeah, they're not they really use. known for the acting at this point. Yeah, I know he, his brother was like, hey, hey, did you know that his brother <laughs> is a real actor? But like, come on, yeah, now. Uh, yeah, it was kind of. My understanding is it was kind of like the Baldwins, right? Where it's like there was like an Alec Baldwin, the most successful, and it was right. basically like the Stephen Baldwin that decided yeah. to assassinate uh, Lincoln. But I mean that doesn't track because like then if the other guy like Billy also Baldwin? got really bad, yeah, like then it'd be like because well, like the Alec one. Baldwin is not like hey yeah, but he's you know <laughs> hey he's the legit <laughs> if guy. The other one then killed a cinematographer. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Um. So, and then interviewed Woody Allen for no reason. That's a, that's a triumphant comeback. comeback. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Time for me to step back into the spotlight. Let me interview Woody Allen over a poor FaceTime connection. 
<laughs> Did you see that video? The oh, call yeah. kept dropping. He yeah. was getting madder and madder. And uh, Alec Baldwin is yelling at his assistant in Spanish, <laughs> <laughs> in broken Spanish. Yeah, telling her to like shut the dogs up. Uh, look up uh, Alec Baldwin interview. I mean, don't look up the actual Alec interview. What is Baldwin but... doing? Like, why is he doing this? Is he just a like a crazy person? He's I a mean, crazy person, right? I think he kind of is. Alec Baldwin's from Long Island, like us, and I think this is kind you of. We're like, not that dumb. No, but I think this is like kind of the like Long Island chip on your shoulder taken to the nth degree, of like being mad that you accidentally killed somebody, and that's kind of like kept you from the spotlight for a bit. And right. being like so mad about that that you're like, well, I'm not gonna give in <laughs> and do what everybody wants me to do. I'm gonna get my good friend Woody Allen on. Right. I mean, and I also don't know what I mean, I guess Woody Allen can't get any worse at this point, but why he was like, Oh yeah, this will also be good for me being I mean on Woody Alec Allen Bowen. will just do that, know, that's kinda why it is. It He's seems like, like he doesn't he have a good Wi Fi like... connection at home either. Yeah. He may not have heard the news. He also seems like, uh, like remember when Mario Batali um, mm-hmm. was accused of like horrible, like Me Too stuff? Yeah. And then he he like, he didn't like take it seriously. He's like, ah, guys, here's a recipe for yeah. uh, cinnamon buns and everything's fine. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. But like, I feel like Woody Allen's just like, ah, you guys are, you, you, you're, crazy anyway and like just thinks that everybody still loves Woody Allen well yeah I mean I think Woody Allen probably she's still playing clarinet at that jazz club every probably week or you can probably go there and throw a tomato at him yeah. or something I'd kill him <laughs> Wow. Well, don't say that on a podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. That would kill him. Oh, just the, throwing the a tomato, tomato at him. Yeah, no, I didn't say I would. <laughs> I no, if you he... said I would kill him. No, I was like, all right. No, no. Well. If, if he was hit with a rotten tomato at his age, that would kill him. So I <laughs> yeah. don't think you should do that. I don't think anybody should kill anybody. <laughs> I think uh, not even, you don't even think God should kill Satan? No. Wow. You heard it here, folks. Um. I think Woody Allen has like a weird view of his own image because like for a long time it was like, oh yeah, everybody knew about all this like sick shit I did and they didn't care. They kept coming to my movies. Right. And I think- Did people really go to Woody Allen? Was like deconstructing Henry like a- Yeah. I mean, I think as much as like anything else, like he was never, you know, like a gigantic film. I guess in the 70s, he kind of had a- Yeah, like Annie Hall won Best Picture. Yeah. And like uh, was a phenomenon. But I think by the time- like this where people are like hey the court the curse of the jade scorpion is taking the the i mean like that was like late 90s or early 2000s i right? think he was still doing well enough and i think at that point like by the time like the soon yi stuff came out yeah and he weathered that where it was like i'm still able to like put out my one movie a year i've got more money than i know what to do with regardless right. I got like, all uh, these clarinets <laughs> yeah, there's only so many clarinets a man could buy um that i think when this 
you know, not even recent anymore controversy came up. Well, actually, when this did come up, when he was accused, you know, of uh, uh, ab- uh, abusing his own child. Yeah. That uh, that he weathered that storm, too. He and thinks it, he did. No, he did initially, I'm saying. Oh, yeah. I think it isn't until recent years where enough people were like, no, actually, fuck all these people. We don't want to hear from him anymore. Yeah. Uh, and I think he, he's, he's just like isolated from society. Exactly. I don't think he really knows. Also, he's just a thousand years old. Like who yeah. cares? You know, deconstructing Harry was the movie. Not Henry. Tell, yeah. You're thinking of forgetting Henry, something like that? Uh, oh, Henry? regarding Henry. Regarding Henry. Uh, Harrison Ford. Yeah. Um, he always plays a Henry or a Harry. Yeah. <laughs> or a Harrison. Um, the top four, known four, for mm-hmm. Woody Allen on IMDb. What do you think? Annie Hall. Annie Hall is number two. Bananas? No. Mm. Bananas is a good movie, actually. I don't like that. I don't, you know, Tim, I don't really like his movies. <laughs> I find them disgusting. Manhattan was number oh, one. Okay, that makes Hannah sense. and Her Sisters, number yeah, three. Okay. Um, Deconstructing Harry. Number, number four. four. And you said that uh, wasn't a big hit. You I don't think it was. It. It was enough of a hit. I mean, I saw, the movie industry was different. I saw Blue Jasmine in the theaters in 2013. Yeah, I remember Tom. you. You waited outside that theater for two weeks, Tom, sleep, sleeping I, on the ground. Can I tell you some of the cast of uh, of Blue Jasmine? Sure. I mean, this, this is supposed to be about a book, but yeah, let's talk about your hero, Woody Allen. <laughs> no, no. So this is a very funny cast. Uh, Alec Baldwin. Of course. Is the top... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Build draw male. No, no. Kate Blanchett is, is okay. Yeah, yeah, and she she put in a great performance. Tom, she's good in everything. Uh, in addition to Alec Baldwin, Andrew Dice Clay, and Louis C.K. Both. <laughs> what movie is this? Uh, Blue Jasmine. Okay. What year did that come out? Twenty thirteen. Okay. Anyway, the Dice up. Man. Andrew Dice Clay, the the filthy comic that I don't think anything bad has come out about. <laughs> I mean, his whole set was uh, homophobic and racist. Yeah, but and... nobody was like, ah, and he did this to me backstage. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, it was and like his thing. Yeah, I mean, it was still bad, but it was like a character. Yeah, that doesn't excuse it, but yeah, he's a nice man. Hey, yeah. hey, let's give it up for the dice man. <laughs> um, yeah, remember when they were like, uh, oh, Louis C.K. and Woody Allen might make a road trip movie together. Oh, I don't, it was before I don't like I... both of them like had to like yeah. go into hiding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear about that. Anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that's, that's That's the introduction. Yeah. That's just kind of the introduction. And then, uh, there's also a nine suggestions on how to get the most out of this book. Um, and basically it's, I mean, it's kind of like, Oh, that's how you get the most out of any book that he's like, read every chapter twice. Oh, okay. The twice. I thought it was going to be read every chapter. Hey, read the book. Yeah. Uh, Stop frequently to ask yourself how to apply each suggestion. I mean, that's pretty good. Uh-huh. Underscore each important idea. Sure. Review this book each month. Mm. 
apply these principles at every opportunity. Okay. Use this volume as a working handbook to help you solve your daily problems. <laughs> so I mean, basically yeah. he's like, make this your life. And in fairness, like in, in the intro and then even later, like he gives a lot of examples of people who, who were like uh, either stuck in ruts and turned to this or, you know, were successful, but then blasted into the stratosphere after, uh, uh, reading this book and and applying the principles that's right. that's the big thing tom let me ask you this mm-hmm. are you intending to follow these principles tim, are you are you trying to make this work on yourself maybe i already am tim okay. and how smart of you to, oh, to be honest oh, to notice that here. you know tim but that's a kind of smart uh really intelligent uh, a morsel that I expect and am always impressed that's that you grasp onto, Tom. Uh huh. The way that you're doing this makes me realize I know at least two people who have read this book <laughs> and are using the are applying the, these principles to their well, lives. Well, Tim, that's fantastic to hear. <laughs> now, I do need to borrow some money for me. <laughs> I brought my checkbook just as you requested. Oh, Tom. Tim yeah. Fant. Oh, of course you did, Tim, because you're a smart guy. And every time I ask you to do something, you knock it out of the park. <laughs> I bet you brought two checkbooks, a guy like you. Um, the first part of this book, you're maybe let me give an overview. Uh and I don't, you know, maybe this, I've read this book before, I think, or at least part really? of this book. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or maybe I when listened you were to like. desperate for, to make friends. <laughs> yeah. It was the day before I met you. Um, oh, effective book. <laughs> and I was like, this is all I need. I threw the book yeah. into the fireplace. Um, the, the. Thing that's surprising about this book mm-hmm. is like you kind of expect this book to. Be, I think maybe because of like the day and age we're in, that it's like, oh, is this book like the game? Is this like how to trick women into that was going to be my you? joke that you like books like this and you previously read the game? <laughs> yeah, but it's actually not like that at all. No. At least this first part. So it's it's conveniently, it's almost like they planned this book for books of podcasts. It's conveniently broken into four parts. Oh, wow. And the first part is, if you want to gather honey, don't kick over the beehive. If you want to gather honey, don't kick over the beehive. Yeah, and don't yawn into the microphone. If either. somebody has something you want. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't yeah don't don't, don't antagonize them yeah. to get it and don't just steal it you you got to find a smarter way to get it exactly and that's uh I yawn into the mic only because you're boring me <laughs> um the beginning the and he explains things in a like honestly is very well written book very persuasive guy and like explains things in a way where it's not just like, oh, just listen to me. Like he kind of goes through it. And he talks about in the beginning of the chapter, like criminals, mm-hmm. <laughs> a few criminals. And he's like, uh, like Al Capone, he talks about, I, I for, 
I forget. There, there's at least one other. Uh, Can you stop having hiccups from drinking so much, please? One, one other big name, Tim. This isn't gonna win you friends or influence anyone. Uh, one other uh, big name uh, criminal, and he talks about how he's like when when people interviewed these criminals after they were caught and everything. Here's what they said. What? <laughs> we're hiccuping because you're drunk. <laughs> I'm not. I was burping because I've yeah. drank too much. <laughs> but he's talking about these uh, criminals and how they don't see themselves as criminals. They see themselves as wronged, oh, wrong for being arrested. But like people like Al Capone were like, "No, I was out. I was helping the community. I was doing yeah. a good thing." Victim that- mentality. And that basically nobody sees themselves as a bad person. Right. Everybody has rationalized their circumstances. I think I'm pretty bad. <laughs> to, everybody's rationalized their circumstances to explain what they're doing, and they think what they're doing is good and decent. Um, so he basically uses that to explain that like nobody likes being criticized that even these criminals, when people were like Al Capone, you're a bad guy. You're, you're going to be famous like a long time from now for being such a bad guy. They he's like, what? No, I'm not a bad guy. How dare you? I'm a good guy. And basically explains that, uh, nobody likes being criticized. Right. I I mean, sometimes, Mm -hmm. Like, it takes reading that in a book to make you realize it, but, like, also, like, I know. But also to remember that as a as a principle that, yeah. you, that you think about every day and you apply to every interaction that right. you have, where it's like, look, I've never criticized you. And look, <laughs> yeah. we're great. We're great friends. <laughs> um. No, I mean, and a lot of at least this first part is, I think, I think very good advice about like get out of your own head about what you want and think about other people. Right. Which is why I'm like, oh, this is like not like a pickup artist type book that he's legit about like, no, you should be thinking about other people and that's going to help you weaponized empathy (laughs) right no No, i mean that's what it is right no it's it's not using empathy to your own ends yeah but not in exclusion of another person's right uh wants and needs but for you to get what you want you have to understand what they want and how they want to feel validated yes and the like positive way to do that would be like because you want to make them feel good. Yes. Um, and you want to spread joy in the world and you want to um, affirm people. But um, what this book is saying is like, here's how you influence them. Use yeah. this against them. Well, but I think like at least in a business context, if you think about like, uh, you know, if, if you're trying to like work on a business deal, some kind of arrangement with somebody. It's like, ultimately, you want what is good for both of you. Right. You don't want, if you want to have a successful business, successful relationships, you don't want to 
just fuck over the other party all the time and just screw them over and take and win. Right. Because that's ultimately you might gain like a little bit more. You might get 10% more out of it, but at what cost? Right. Uh, whereas like you might be able to like establish a good, you know, if you're a business, and get more from them. If you're a business, on an ongoing basis. Yeah. If you're a business and you want, and you're looking for a new supplier or whatever, you might be able to get something over on them and get a little bit better price one time. But if like, you're going to help their business while serving your business, Hey, that's going to help everybody. It's, it's actually like a very altruistic uh, community oriented thing. And actually, uh, I, I don't have the highlight in front of me, but it made me feel real bad. Cause one of the people he talks about where he's like, this guy, this, he was basically like, this guy was a loser. He knew maybe 500 people. <laughs> oh no. It's <laughs> like, Oh, I think I know like eight people, Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, times used to be different. Yeah, I only know, like, I definitely only know, like, eight people's names. <laughs> and half of them are celebrities. <laughs> um, Can I ask you one question before you go on? Yeah. Do you think this the early success of this book was due to the fact that he had um, the last name? Carnegie? Yeah, and that people figured, like, oh, he's part of, like... The rich, successful it, Carnegie fan. It, it certainly couldn't have hurt. Especially like if because, we wrote a book that was like, hey, uh, by Tim and Tom Musk. <laughs> yeah, the Musk boys. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, he was from the, the, the famous Musk family. Yeah, so. and he talks about Andrew Carnegie in, this, yeah. in the book. And, you know, he says, my brother... <laughs> oh wow okay yeah. that's a I claim mean, you know and in yeah. some ways yeah maybe that's out of, no he doesn't do that um he does uh, i have highlighted here uh he does uh, he again it's confusing what edition i'm reading because sometimes he does talk about things uh where he's like or take the teapot dome oil scandal <laughs> it kept the newspapers ringing with indignation from the early 1920s it rocked the nation and then, thankfully, he does explain what it is. I mean, the teapot don't like we know it as like one of the most corrupt things that I happened. never. I don't think I had heard about it before. Really? Yeah. Oh. But then he explained. It. I was like, oh yeah, it's pretty. I was like, oh, it's pretty fucked up. And then also like, I oh, bet if somebody did that now, they'd get away scot free. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was like, yeah. Oh, the entire country was outraged. Was it at Harding? This. It was Harding. Right? I think so. Yeah. Um, and, uh, oh, here's a good, uh, highlight that I have. Let's realize that criticisms are like homing pigeons. They always return home. <laughs> Let's realize that the person we are going to correct and condemn will probably justify himself or herself and condemn us in return. That's what, that's what a lot of this chapter is about. That it's like, if you get real mad at somebody and like scream at them about, you know, what they've fucked up, they're very likely to be like, well, actually, no, it's it maybe not to your face, but they're going to think like, no, actually, yeah. that was your fault. You weren't, right. you weren't clear enough or you told me to do something that you should have known wasn't the way to do it. Is this whole thing, is this whole book just like, hey, cool out and just. Like, try to be nice to people and be reasonable. I mean, at least this first part is. Yeah. Um, he talks about, I'd never heard this story, um, that uh, Lincoln, I guess, like, uh, wrote this uh, 
thing in a paper, you know, like one of those things where it's like, oh, at the time, everybody thought this was the most hilarious thing. And if you read it now, it'll be like, my gentleman, have you never sat upon a velvet seat? <laughs> um, but he, he ridiculed this guy. Uh, and- <laughs> That's a pretty good joke. <laughs> And this guy got super mad, this politician, Lincoln was young, he found out, it was an anonymous letter, he found out who wrote the letter, leaped on his horse, started after Lincoln and challenged him to fight a duel. Lincoln didn't want to fight, he was opposed to dueling, but he couldn't get out of it and save his honor. He's given his choice of weapons, since he had very long arms, he chose cavalry broadswords and took lessons in sword fighting from a West Point graduate. And on the appointed day, he and Shields met on a sandbar in the Mississippi River, prepared to fight to the death. But at the last minute, their seconds interrupted and stopped the duel. And basically, he says, like, after that, Lincoln was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be shitty to people. Yeah. Because they're going to get mad at me and want to kill me in a duel. Yeah. And I don't. And uh, the best hope I have is uh, using my lanky arms and yeah. a sword. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, it taught him the valuable lesson. And the art of dealing with people. And this reminded me of when you uh, uh, dealt with uh, uh, Richard Marks. Yeah. and But you didn't really learn from that situation. I learned so you much from that. You said you did, but then you've since disparaged people on this podcast. Who? Who have I disparaged since? Elon Musk, for example. I mean, bad people. Oh, Richard Marks is a bad person, too. No, he's a good man. He took Daisy Fuentes off the market. I know, and they seem so happy together. They're vegans, Tom. Yeah, they are vegans. They both look great, too. They, Yeah, they're both, I think, 85 years old, (laughs) almost 100, and uh, they look like they're 30. Um, When dealing with people, let us remember we are not dealing with creatures of logic. We are dealing with creatures of emotion, creatures bristling with prejudices and motivated by pride and vanity. The big secret. I'm read this book. The big secret of dealing with people, and it, this is like yes, uh, you know, like a highlighted thing. Uh, there is only one way under high heaven to get anybody to do anything. Did you ever stop to think of that? Yes, just one way, and that is by making the other person want. To do it, mm. which I mean is definitely true, right? You can hold him at gunpoint. Well, his thing is like you could do that, and I think he even says like you could also like put a revolver in their ribs. Like. Yeah, that's exactly what I suggested. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know that's only going to work uh, that one time, and yeah. only if you're quick. No, I think there's a lot. Tom, I am going to read if this you, book. If you think something's somebody else's idea. And that they should do it. Uh, like he gives an example, actually like a very good example, I think, for uh, for like a kid where he talks about, I don't know if it was him or just somebody he knew, but the kid, very upset, very scared of his first day of kindergarten the next day. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to go. And it's like the dad could have screamed at him. Uh, I, I assume that's like probably the way you parent, a lot of screaming. Well, the kid doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> at a, at a, how old? Eight months now? Yeah. It's just, I've never even said a, a. He's never heard me say a negative word. Um, except when talking about his Uncle Tommy. <laughs> 
So he's like, you could, like, you know, he could, you stay away from him. He could yell at this kid and he could be like, you're a coward. You're no son of mine. But what he decided to do instead was that he had like an older brother, him, the older brother and the wife, they all uh, started doing finger painting in the kitchen. And of course, a little kid came in, the you know, five-year-old and was like, hey, it was was like a lot of fun. Let me get, oh, no, you can't do this yet. You learn how to do this in kindergarten, of course. And, uh, you know, you said you didn't want to go to kindergarten. I think you should really rethink that because look at what the fun stuff. And you got to make the kid want to go. Exactly. And then he said the next day, the kid was up at like 6.30 asleep in the living room chair because he didn't want to miss his first day of kindergarten because he made him want to do it. Yeah. Showed him what the reward would be instead of just screaming at him. Uh, Maybe I will stop screaming. (laughs) Uh, uh, He talks about Andrew Carnegie, uh, who apparently was like a great uh, example of this. Carnegie wanted to praise his assistance even on his tombstone. He wrote an epitaph for himself, which read, Here lies one who knew how to get around him men who are cleverer than himself. Uh. That's a good... uh, I mean, he didn't actually put it on his epitaph, but he probably like put it up like, Hey, everybody put this oh, on. Oh, really? It didn't, uh, it didn't make I, it, it to says his... It says uh, it didn't. It didn't. I bet he has like a huge fucking Oh, maybe thing. he did. He's, I bet that's like... It's, you know, like we're thinking of like... You know, if you or I ever have a grave zone, it's like, yeah, you're gonna have like an 18 word limit or whatever. <laughs> this guy has a like Andrew Carnegie has yeah, freaking it? like, a, a, you know, I'm sure that's like it's one like little part of it, but the rest of it is also like, this man is great, yeah. better than anybody who's ever worked for him. <laughs> um, he also talks about like this guy that, uh, his wife was in some, it sounds like a bad church group that was like, Hey, how do you, uh, how do you get your marriage to be better? And the way they suggested was like, uh, ask your husband to write down his six biggest criticisms of you. The six biggest things you can improve. And it sounds like this guy, this guy heard this and was like, Oh, I got to write down a hundred things. Right. <laughs> but kept the, Kept that in his noggin and instead sent six roses to his wife with a note saying, I can't think of six things I would change about you. I love you the way you are. Uh, and uh, they said, when I arrived at home that evening, who do you think greeted me at the door? That's right. My wife. <laughs> she was almost in tears. Needless to say, I was extremely glad I had not criticized her as she had requested the following Sunday at church after she had reported the results Several women with whom she had been studying came up to me and said, that was the most considerate thing I've ever heard. Uh, It was then that I realized the power of appreciation. Uh, But he is very careful to point out, Tim, the difference between appreciation. Don't let your wife get too mouthy. (laughs) The difference between like appreciation and flattery. Ah, yeah. And that flattery's horse shit and that basically... Uh, uh, it's actually pretty good. Because, uh, yeah. He says, of course, flattery seldom works with discerning people. It is shallow, shallow, selfish, and insincere. It ought to fail, and it usually does. Flattery is counterfeit. And like counterfeit money, it'll eventually get you into trouble if you pass it to somebody else. The differ- the difference between appreciation and flattery, that is simple. One is sincere, and the other is insincere. 
Mm. So again, so he's saying like be sincere with yeah, this stuff. Again, yeah, again, it's it's you know different. I mean, different I would, than uh, like the game where it's like no, don't just make shit up. Like genuinely appreciate. People. I would argue that man with the roses and the list. Yeah, I, that was I flattery. Like that if was he, a little bit of a weird example. Because if honestly. he had a hundred things he wanted to put on the list, and he like. And was like, no, actually, you're perfect the way you are. That is, that's flattery. He wasn't yeah. being honest. Yeah, but it worked. It worked, but like that the guy had a dumb wife. That's the point. <laughs> you can use flattery on dumb people. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I mean honestly, it's funny. Because... <laughs> Number uh, step one: marry a dumb lady. <laughs> it's funny because I mean, and of course, like. If you think about it, it's true in real life. If you think about the types of people, you know, uh, famous people uh, that love flattery. Right. When, you know. I know you're talking about. Our previous president, for example. Joe Biden. Barack Obama. (laughs) (laughs) No, Trump, where it was like you would see these people flattering him and you would be like, geez. Yeah, that's the most like obvious transparent like, yeah, tr- ploy to influence you. <laughs> yeah, but it works, yeah. and it's like, oh yeah, flattery works on dumb people. Yeah. It doesn't work on people that, uh, you know, yeah, have a sincere, I don't know, anything. <laughs> right. um, and of course, and you would think he would under the guy that like only works to like f- like when he is charming. Yeah. And you say he's one of the most charming, <laughs> most men, charming men out there. Um, like he does, just like he does understand like how to flatter that you need to flatter people. But yeah. then he's so susceptible to it himself. Yeah, it's so bizarre. Well, and the thing is, like when people flatter him, it, you know, it's cheap because it yeah. doesn't actually it it inflates his ego, but it doesn't actually. The, the second that person like screws up or, or crosses him the wrong way, they're done. Yeah. You know, they're, they're shit. Right. So, you know, it's yeah, you're not gaining anything. Yeah. From, you're, you're not gaining, gaining any something trust in that moment. Like, yeah. It, it's all just kind of like a facade. Right. Um, so again, you know, Dale Carnegie here is, is very careful to kind of uh, talk about, yeah, that, that's not what, explain that's not what he's talking about in so many business situations Mm -hmm. and i used to also work for a politician yeah i see people that are like uh like keeping their cool and like uh when somebody's doing something shitty to them or like and they're like uh nice about it Mm -hmm. and i'm not like that yeah i'm a like i'll you know if somebody uh, annoys me or, mm-hmm. or disrespects me or whatever. Like I'm not going to be like, hey, but I'm still going to yeah, like work yeah. this, and we'll both get, and I'll get what I need from you. Mm-hmm. And I always think like, ah, those people are much smarter than me. Maybe they <laughs> read this book. Yeah, I mean that's what he talks about. They, he's like, don't you know? He he talks about people are emotional and lo- not logical, and basically makes the argument of like you shouldn't. Try not to be that way. Yeah. You are emotional because we all are, but you should be logical if you're trying to get something out of somebody and something rubs you the wrong way. Think about the ends here and don't fly off the handle. 
because that's ultimately not what he wants. Fly off the handle, Tom. I'll fucking do it. Uh, And then the last part of this, I guess the part one wasn't just called uh, uh, the big secret, or or, uh, if it. If you want to gather honey, don't kick over the beehive. It was like a part for part one. And this part, part three of part one, he who can do this has the whole world with him. He who cannot walks a lonely path. And basically this he talks about, again, great advice about when you're trying to get something from somebody. Don't talk about yourself. And like the example he gives is like a, a trying to get a job somewhere. And I'm sure you've heard this advice before. You don't like write a cover letter saying like, oh, I'd love to work for Google. It'd be great because I'd probably make a lot of money. Your office is only like a block away from me. That would be a really nice commute for me. This would look really good on my resume for future jobs. You, you wouldn't do that if you're smart. You would say, right. well, I'm not here's, smart. Here's, <laughs> here's why. Here's what I think. I could do for Google. Right. Uh, if I work for you, I think I could make one of those new doodles. You probably need people to make those doodles you, you all the time. You get a new one every day. You got a new yeah. one every day. You're going to need more. Huh. Guess what? It's I'm exhausting. a great artist. Yeah. And I've got some even great ideas. Even if it's ideas. not true, even if you're bad at art, do it. Because sometimes those Google those Google doodles like look like shit. Yeah. Some, they don't care. But don't say that. That's the point. No, no. I'm saying you <laughs> lie and you say I'm good at art. Yeah. Uh, you might say like, I, I looked you up on GoDaddy and it looks like the Google.com is expiring later this year. I could renew that for you. Yeah, I'll make sure to stay on top of that. I've already got an account on GoDaddy and it'll be. I signed up because I thought I'd be able to see Danica Patrick in the (laughs) nude. Uh, and he does give like a an example here uh, based on a Super Bowl commercial where they he implied that if you watch the to rest a certain of it, website, yeah, yeah it's too which hot was for weird. TV. Which was weird. It was a weird Super Bowl commercial where it's like there's a race car driver who's a lady. Yeah. And if you go to this website, you're probably going to see her naked. And yeah. like, I think it worked. I, like a lot of people, I think went to the website. Yeah, and we're like, well, while I'm here, might as well register a domain yeah. name. Um, but yeah, he, he gives, uh, uh, gives, gives a lot of examples about like situations like that of tell the other person what you can do to make their life easier and better instead of what they can do for you. Cause you know, the cold hard truth is most people don't give a shit what they can do for you. Right. It's like, uh, JFK again. Yeah. And he talks about how. He's like, everybody spends 95% of the day thinking about themselves. They don't think about other people. And he says, like, you should try and break that habit. You should try to think about other people. You should try to think about, like, and I think this is great advice because, like, a lot of times there are things that you can do for, like, friends or family or business associates where it's like, Oh, this would not be a big deal for me at all. This would take five minutes of my time, but it would be like a tremendous help uh, for this person. Um, you're giving me a pep talk right now, and I like it. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to apply these principles to my life uh, starting tomorrow. I, Tim, I can't, uh, you know, I hope next week you come back and you tell me uh, you, next fi- week? you finally turned everything around. You know what? I'm going to like, I'm going to be so well off that I'm not even going to show up. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it doesn't you sound anymore. like you're you're really thinking about the. I'm not uh, thinking about you. No, of course not. I'm talking about like uh, the important people, Tom. Not that you're not important. Wow. I guess I just. <laughs> you just Tim. It's it's like you weren't even listening to yeah. everything. All right. Well, I gotta. I, you gotta practice this stuff, right? If out of reading this book, you get just one thing. This is from the book. An increased tendency to think always in terms of other people's point of view and see things from their angle. If you get one thing out of this book, it may easily prove to be one of the building blocks of your career. And I I think think that's true. Think about other people. Like empathy is in short supply nowadays. Absolutely. And I think not not just in terms of in service of getting what you want. Yes. But I think it makes for a richer existence. Yeah. And it's something that I try to uh, remind myself all the time. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of what he talks about, too. Like, you know, it's not about like, oh, I'm going to do this nice thing because uh, I need something right now. (laughs) It's like, no, you do a nice thing because, you know, you don't know how that's going to help you down the line. Uh, and even if it doesn't, whatever, you've you done a, nice a good thing. deed, like, you've done something see, nice that's, for somebody. That's the thing. It's like a catch 22 in my mind for like how I think of Dale Carnegie for saying that, right? Like, cause it's like, yeah, empathy is, I think, uh, the most important yeah. currency we have. Um, he's writing a book about how to get ahead in life. And he's saying like, if you do this, it'll come back to you. But like, I kind of feel like. That shouldn't be the goal of it. Like, if that I'm is the kinda, goal, I'm then kinda... it's like, then that's not real. Like, then like you're not actually embracing. I'm, I'm kind of putting words in his mouth. He didn't. I really know, but say like that. the the book is how to win friends and influence people. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah, it, it's a matter. And like this book is about like getting what you want out of life. So it's like, I think empathy is like should be its own reward like it you mm-hmm. know it, it like makes the world better not yeah. like your potential prospects for success better mm-hmm. in the future but you know six of one half dozen of the other if everybody's being more empathetic then uh, i think we have a better yeah. world well i mean and you know he's you know he's, he's talking about business but he is also talking about real life and like he gives some examples of people that like Stevie you know, Wonder legitimately couldn't make friends. And that was kind of the reason that it was like, oh, they didn't realize like you should be looking out for your friends. You should be trying to help them. And then they're going to do that in return. And then that's what like brings you closer as friends. Right. Uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's great advice. I think like very, yeah, you shouldn't be thinking about it in like, ah, I do this and it'll pay dividends one day. Right. But uh but I think that's why he's not saying like you don't have to change the way you think. You don't have to change your life. Just when you really want something out of somebody, approach them this way. <laughs> it's like, no, you should live your life this yeah. way. It will make a richer, fuller life. People will like you more because you're a useful member of the community for people. And you care about people and they will care about you. And, um, 
And that's how all this works. And that's how all this works. And if you're having a tough time, if you if, if people care about you because you cared about them, then yeah, then they'll come to your aid. They'll yeah. help you out. But yeah, if you've never helped anyone in your life, if you've never looked at things from I guess their, this is just fucking karma. Point, yeah, this is if just, you've never looked at things from their point of view, why would they give a shit yeah. about you when something bad's happen? Tom, I'm about to make a change. I can't wait to see it next week. Um. Tom, this this has legitimately changed my life, and we're only a quarter of the way through the book, and I am not even reading the book. <laughs> yep. But yeah, I mean, you're you're listening to an experienced orator. Yeah. Tell you all about it. Yeah. In between hiccups and burps. Well, uh, hey, listen, patrons. Uh, think about what you can do for other people. Continue being a patron and paying us for this content. <laughs> Tim, God, you know, Can't every, you time, about I, what we every want, time I, mean, I think you're starting to grasp. No, what we want, you know, that's, that's what they have to well, think. No, it's not telling people what you, what you want. You know, I keep thinking you're starting to grasp some of the concepts here, of the Tim. book to go. Well, I'll, I'll get there. Um, thank you for being patrons. We love you very much. Um, we honestly do love you very much. <laughs> <laughs> that made it, right? it sound more insincere than <laughs> anything right. else. We'll see you next week.